Zoom in on global affairs with insightful debates and exclusive interviews. This is World Insight. Hello and welcome to World Insight with me, Tianwei. Today we continue our special series, AI and I, featuring scientists, industry insiders, and pundits to ponder the realities and future of artificial intelligence. The latest release of AI video model Sora makes a big leap for both OpenAI and broader future of text to video generation. The application is tooted to generate one minute nearly realistic videos, which can be a tool for real world interaction. On that, I talked to Kenny Stanley and Joe Lehman, two former OpenAI scientists who co-authored the book, Why Greatness Cannot Be Planned. After leaving OpenAI, they are continuing their research and analysis on how AI can better serve society. Let's listen to my latest conversation with them. Ken and Joe, what a pleasure to see both of you. Thank you. Great pleasure to be here. Thanks well. for having us. It's great to keep up with you and also catch up with you. Uh, it was last year that we talked with one another with your great book. Uh, so now uh, we have already seen some new development. The uh, latest uh, development is uh, Sora. Uh, you see the excitement in the world and also the curiosity about it. Now, what do you think is really uh, supporting it to become a reality? It's kind of one step along a continuing trajectory. and. From one point of view, although it's certainly like viscerally very surprising to see, um, from another point of view, um, we maybe should expect that um, video models would continue to get improved, uh, to get to get improved. Um, and what makes it happen is increasing experience with diffusion models and transformers. These two big technologies, coupled with a lot of um, technical ability and compute, I'd say is probably the main ingredients. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think it's a, a very impressive achievement. Um, it, it's true that it seems ultimately inevitable given the trajectory we're on, but I think I'm surprised that we were able to do it this soon. Um, and the compute part, I think, is interesting to me because I, I think I would have thought it, something like that would require too much compute, um, but apparently I'm wrong. And there is enough compute to do that, which surprises me. Uh, because, you know, the amount of data in actual video that would be necessary to attain that level of mastery is substantial. Um, so apparently somebody has a collection like that and the means to process it. Um, and so I, I wasn't I wasn't aware of that, um, but now I am. So um, I pushed my expectations forward a bit. <laughs> uh, having said that, though, um we have seen uh, different umbrellas, even with OpenAI, the place that you used to work for, both of you. Um, for example, with ChatGPT and now with Sora and some other directions, as you know, are also developing at the same time. So uh, what do you think as to some of the most important and significant uh, uh, umbrellas uh, with the latest development of Sora? Yeah, it's hard to, you know, to, to make a, a confident guess, but I wouldn't be surprised, for example, if this was integrated into ChatGPT, for example, like that you could upload videos. I think um, Google also had a model recently called Gemini 1.5 or Gemini yes. Ultra, I forget which, which could, you could already upload videos of some certain length and it could kind of integrate that into their chat offering. So I would imagine that's probably what we also see 
uh, through ChatGPT. I guess similarly, um, with audio, with um, the, the Whisper models that were released a while back, I guess those maybe already are integrated in ChatGPT, but I, I can imagine just um, that seems like our, the flagship product right now of, of OpenAI and, and having lots of things kind of integrated into that would make sense to me. Yeah, to me, it raises the question of how, maybe from a research perspective, of how far you can push this kind of technology. I think that's an interesting question. Um, you know, it's when we see something like Sora, we are uh, dazzled, you know, by the results, but but it's still not perfect. Um, and so it can it makes mistakes still. Um, you know, some people were talking about the the chessboard that had seven by seven uh, squares instead of eight by eight, things like that. Um, and you know, at the same time as these kinds of mistakes, they've been hinting and saying that this can serve as perhaps what they're calling a, wor a world model, um, which means that like the internal representations of this model that can generate these images perhaps knows something about our world, um, something that text models would not know because they haven't been exposed to the visual world. And so that implies that that world model will integrate at some level someday that that's the intent with the text model, um, as uh, Joel alluded. But it's not just to be able to do tasks with text and with images. It's also to make the whole thing smarter in aggregate. Um, and I think that's an interesting question is the extent to which this whole integration really works and boosts up the intelligence to a level closer to human, uh, taking into consideration that we see that there are still these kinds of mistakes. And the, the kind of question for me is like, are, are those mistakes minor things that just more data would eventually smooth over? Or are they more symptomatic of a deeper issue that requires uh, a bigger uh, a bigger type of research advance that would uh, make those go away? Because you know those can be related to the hallucinations we see on the text side. Um, and with, on the text side, you can do things like reinforcement learning through human feedback, like showing it examples of things that humans think are better or worse. This, I think, is more challenging in the, in the video, on the video side uh, to do stuff like that. Um, and so I, I, I think it raises a lot of interesting research questions. How much do you think, as when you're observing what's happening, uh, does the system sort of understand uh, if we could use that word, the physical world that we humans are living in. My inference from what I've seen is that it has some level of understanding, but it's not our level of understanding. Uh, and so it's somewhere between, you know, if you said it doesn't understand anything and human level understanding, it's somewhere between those two. Uh, but it's not like it's just a s stupider human. It's actually not like a human. Mm. Uh, it's like an alien intelligence. Um, you know, humans don't have a perfect physical understanding of the world either. No. Um, like, you know, things like like Newtonian physics or quantum physics are, are not obviously intuitively apparent to most people um, just by observing the world for 30 years. Like, that's not obvious. So we don't really understand how the world works ourselves. So it's not necessarily mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't have a good understanding just because it doesn't know physics. Mm. Um, but it does make mistakes that indicate some very exotic misunderstandings that we wouldn't have like when like a pack of dogs turns into more dogs or a dog doubles into two dogs or something yeah. like we know those things never would happen in our imagination um but it, it makes these kind of slip-ups um so it's just a different kind of set of misunderstandings 
but with an overall general amount, I mean, so, some amount of understanding that's mm. somewhat general, so, so probably quite useful. You wrote the book, Why Greatness Cannot Be Planned. That inspired a lot of people to think more about not only the technical part of it, as both of you illustrated, but especially important, what does it mean to all of us, especially for the common folks who are not computer scientists today, or who do not now uh, work for OpenAI or uh, you know, Google and other things, uh, to, to, to know what they can do to prepare themselves for something bigger. I mean, the long term is very hard to talk about because like, you could look at Sora today and say that this is nothing compared to what we'll see five years from now. But if we just, and it's very hard to say what we'll see five years from now, but if we just focus on what we see today, um, you know, I, I, I think one positive way to think about it is that, you know, there was a time before there was paint. And so if you could have been a great painter, like you would be out of luck. Like there was no paint in the world. It had to be invented. Um, but once it was invented, it unlocked a new kind of art. And then that kind of art means that there's something that people who previously couldn't express themselves can now express themselves. And if you want to put a positive spin on it, I would say this might be like that. You know, it's like there are people who have visions, artistic visions, maybe other kinds of visions, visions about communication and how to, how to convey information who currently can't express themselves, even though they have these visions, this kind of technology might unlock a new kind of artist who can mm -hmm. actually now express themselves in a new way. You've been listening to programs from CGTN Radio. CGTN Radio. We invite you to visit us online for more audio, pictures and in-depth reports. At radio.cgtn.com, you can access a wide range of programs and find your favorite news, talk, features, entertainment shows and podcasts. Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get on our wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa Talk. Find us on your favorite podcast. We'll see you there. Welcome back. This is World Insight with me, Tian Wei. We are continuing our series of discussions about AI and I. OpenAI has stirred global interest in Sora, its newest AI innovation that generates realistic videos from text prompts. How could cutting-edge AI tools change the education of future generations? What's the best education for the future? For answers, I had an exclusive interview recently with Andrea Schleicher, the OECD Director for Education and Skills. He shared his views on the intricate relationship between AI and education. He also mentions about his visit to China recently, about the latest realities of Chinese education. Take a listen. Andrea, good to see you. Good to see you, Tianwei. This is a year that's celebrating new technologies, especially artificial intelligence. Uh, Sora uh, by AI, OpenAI earlier already created such a big stir in the world. Your reaction as an educator to such a text-to-video generator? 
Yeah, it's just the latest expression of artificial intelligence. And what it shows us is that artificial intelligence is no longer just about extracting uh, knowledge and material. It can actually start to construct things. It can convert an idea, a text, to, to an image, to a, to a video. And in a way, I think it enters the space of, of, of creative skills. That's not equivalent to human creativity, but it just shows the power of artificial intelligence in terms of, you know, supporting uh, people in developing since it can support educators you know to translate you know textual material into visual expressions and I think it has it's just uh, another way of showing how artificial intelligence transforms the spaces of, of, of learning and education mm. now there's a lot of hyping of course uh, of uh, uh, Sora that is uh, only natural when you are having uh, commercial companies involved with that and the entrepreneurs all you know jumping into the same sea right uh, having said that putting that aside uh, what realistically do you think Sora at this moment will be able to provide educators with the uh, tools to work on uh, now we know it is still not open source if, if you look at this in the context of broader AI capabilities, I think the greatest promise is uh, much better personalization of learning experiences. Now, while you study, a uh, computer can now learn how you learn and then, you know, even turn your ideas into visual expressions. I think this is a very powerful way of advancing. We can also use these technologies to make learning more inclusive to give, for example, students who have uh, certain difficulties, disabilities, tools to actually access learning content, create learning content in ways they could not uh, do before. Uh, these technologies can make uh, teaching more colorful, more diverse, and uh, enabling teachers to express themselves in, in different ways. I think this is also very important. Last but not least, they can engage educators more in, in research. You know, you'd hope that educators will always be at the heart of the design of those kinds of technologies. So I think there is huge uh, potential. Clearly there is mm -hmm. hype. Uh, we must be very realistic. Education is always a, a human experience. It's not a transactional uh, business alone. So technologies can can amplify, you know, extend those human experiences. Uh, but uh, there are limits to this, clearly. Mm. What about for the kids? I mean, at this moment, we see the great debate about whether they should use uh, uh, mobile phones and how much time of the day they should use that, and how much time of the day they, should, uh, they can play computer games, uh, how important are those in the educational uh, content or not. Uh, so how do you see the latest development of Sora, for example, uh, would uh, add new aspects to this discussion? Yeah, I do think we need to differentiate between the power of technology to enhance learning and the exposure of children to screens. You know, very clearly artificial intelligence, you can make learning more granular, more personal, more interactive. It can make it fun. It can make it more adaptive. I think there's huge potential. At the same time, we do see very clearly is that extended exposure of children to screens has negative effects on cognitive outcomes, on their social and emotional development, on the quality of their relationship. Our, our latest PISA findings showed a steeply negative relationship between screen exposure uh, when students use their own mobile phones and, and learning outcomes. We need to take those things to heart. You know, the best artificial intelligence in the classroom is present but not visible. It doesn't distract students through extended screen use, but it's 
generating powerful analytics to help students understand how to learn better, teachers understand how to teach better in schools, actually to become more effective. So in a, in a modern classroom, you may actually learn in quite traditional ways, but supported, super empowered by artificial intelligence rather than getting artificial intelligence in the way by distracting students or making learning more scripted, more passive, more reactive. Now, I think this is very, very important that we harness the power of artificial intelligence for supporting learning, but not uh, 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 get, get sort of technology in the way. Mm -hmm. When Sora is born, it shocked the world uh, with its vivid, uh, vivid uh, depictions of uh, situations. Um, at the same time, people wonder what this means to uh, visual industry, for example, TVs, movies, um, and the list goes on, computer games. Um, Rescaling is one of the most important uh, contents of advocacy that you are working on. How, when you look at this new technology, are you thinking about the immediate steps to be taken about rescaling? Yeah, and I think rescaling really is about uh, being aware that our skills, our knowledge, our attitudes, our values are focused on a specific time and we need to be able to not only learn, but also willing and able to unlearn and relearn when the context change. And that's very difficult for humans. You know, we are born, we like stability around us. We like predictability around us and to be ready to em embrace the uncertainty, to be able to, you know, change our paradigms, our ways of thinking is very, very hard for humans. But I think this is something that we can learn in the times in which we live and we can develop those skills very consciously among uh, young people, among older people To Because in school, learning is easy. You have a teacher in front of you. In adult life, you have to set your own learning goals. You need to understand, you know, when you reach your limits in your current field of study. Uh, the biggest people at risk are not the people who got unemployed, the people who get uh, at the at the end at the margins of employment you know who do not yet see technology coming into their jobs but who need to understand you know now is the time for me to to give up some of my current beliefs and skills and develop new ones and i think that's that's incredibly important in the world in which we live and that's a new experience for humanity in the past you could learn once for your lifetime and you could actually, you know, draw on that knowledge in different ways throughout your life. You expand it, you improve it, but you wouldn't be required to completely engage in new skill sets as you have today. But also what's very important in the time in which we live is not just to learn new skills, but to be willing and able to deploy them in different contexts. You know, when you see, for example, a certain skill set that you have is no, no, no longer relevant in a specific job, are you willing and able to go to a new field of work where you can actually redeploy your skills in a new context. And that's also very hard for humans. Now we get very attached to the work that we do. Find the Beijing Hour at precisely 6 p.m. Beijing time. We meet you on podcast and on air every weekday. The Beijing Hour, your window on China and the rest of the world. Discover the realities and responses to our changing climate with Climate Watch. Uncover critical issues such as the Maasai Mara's disrupted wildebeest migration and the drop in the Panama Canal's water levels. Delve into solutions for a sustainable future. 
tune in to Climate Watch on your favorite podcast platform. Become more eco-conscious and take action to protect our planet. This is World Insight. OpenAI Sora has been a source of both awe and alarm. On the one hand, the new technologies bring new opportunities. On the other, many are concerned that technology innovation is far ahead of regulation. Cutting-edge tech developer OpenAI did say it was taking key safety steps before making Sora widely available. On the latest about AI development and AI governance, let's hear from our panelists. Today, I'm having both of you here uh, with the latest development, both from OpenAI and also uh, from uh, Gemini 1.5. Tell me about your thoughts on these two latest developments and what they mean to all of us. Let's go with Alex first. You are the practitioner. Uh, sure. So uh, what we've seen from OpenAI in the past uh, um, two weeks uh, was tremendous. Uh, it's uh, one of the most uh, uh, fundamental advances in I would say applied generative AI because uh, uh, the models that have been uh, utilized for and the architecture that have been utilized for Sora uh, are um, published and well known. So uh, it's a diffusion model uh, that is a diffusion transformer. Uh, so I, my, to my understanding, uh, we do not see a fundamental breakthrough in uh, a specific um, uh, deep learning technology. However, uh, the way they managed to put it together and train is just spectacular because uh, it manages to produce 60-second videos with unprecedented resolution, quality, and accuracy. Uh, and uh, this demonstration uh, really provides the entire industry, the entire world, uh, mm. uh, a vision for what is yet to come because uh, there is a lot of hype about AI, and until uh, OpenAI managed to industrialize and consumerize uh, chat GPT, uh, people just didn't believe uh, what's going to happen and uh, that deep learning systems can reason. I think um, from a more application point of view, uh, I would say that uh, the um, advancement on SARA shows that when you have such amount of data and you have the right way to use the data and then what kind of power it can bring you to but uh, i still would say in a very specific um, domains uh, the the advancement uh, is somewhat clear well on the other side i i i'm very agree with alex um, that there are no a real scientific breakthrough uh in in supposing sora and, and gemini they are both talking about, you know, having the right data, using the uh, data in a maximum way, um, and, and make predictions by using this larger scale data. Uh, so there are a lot that can be done. Uh, but I think this is somewhat different from the perception uh, from the Chinese audience and also the audience all over the world, because there are many arguments saying, we're having a huge step forward, artificial general intelligence. And maybe um, before Sora, you, you need 10 to 50 years uh, 
uh, to get into artificial general intelligence. Now, maybe you only need one year. I totally disagree uh, with this kind of argument in a way that I I feel um, for both uh, um, GPT and, and, and Sorrow, as well as actually uh, Gemini, it, it shows multitasking of uh, artificial intelligence model. Mm. It never mm -hmm. shows real generality. It never shows the human way to deal with uh, things. So you can actually, of course, when you have the right data, it, it surprises you uh, in a uh, in a very in in some good ways. But also for the problems left there, is still very obvious. Thank you so much for both of you for joining us. I appreciated that. And that wraps up this special edition of AI and I. And we are going to continue our discussions about all the latest development of AI and what it means to all of us. And that's all the time we have for today. If you'd like to know more, search World Insight or check out our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on X and Facebook. I'm Tian Wei on behalf of the team. Thanks for being with us. <laughs>